Hello, church family and friends. Pastor Ronan from South Africa, hello. We talk today. It's a blessing to have you, your leadership, and your church family joining us too. I want you to know that uh, Valley Community Church is a church of amazing people who love Jesus with all their heart. They know the Word of God. They, they go to work. They, they love their families, and they do mighty works for the kingdom of God. So God bless every one of you, all you friends. Uh, please allow us to say to you that you are important to the Lord, that He loves you, and He desires for you to understand who He really is. Also, next week on the 21st, we reopen the church. And this coming week, you're going to find information on the webpage regarding all the protocols and everything that we do. We are ready. The church staff, volunteers have worked so hard. Everything is ready to go. And we are excited about this. We get to gather again. Amen. Let me pray. Father, thank you for this time together in your word, finding out more of who you are, the greatness of our God, blessings upon our ears and our hearts as we receive what you have written in your scripture, what you have stated, who you are. And we believe this, we receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll turn your Bibles to uh, the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. And in Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to take a couple weeks uh, talking to you about God's grace. And in Ephesians chapter 1, as you turn there, <clears throat> if you are new, we're in a series called God is What? Speaking of the Attributes of God. In the title, the word is, is an important word. We have proclaimed this throughout this series God is, his attributes, does not speak of what God has. They are things that God is. In other words, God doesn't have these attributes because he then could lose them, use them up, or run out. We found that God is a person. God is good. God is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent which means all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-present. God is justice and mercy. So important we understand justice and mercy because when we understand grace, justice and mercy is included in the definition of grace. We found that God is sovereign, the absolute supreme ruler of all. And he answers to no one. Last week, God is holy. Now, in all these attributes, I've tried to present God to you, who God is, and make it applicable to your life, to allow yourself to understand everything that God is, is something that you can grasp a hold of and understand, and apply it to your life. Last week, again, we talked about that God is holy, that he is so high, so set apart, and morally 
perfect, it's hard for us to comprehend. Yet he commanded us to be holy. And we talked about that, how we can be holy. We can be holy and set apart, setting apart our lives for God and his kingdom. In other words, it's about life. Who God is, is who we can be. Now, I know I've been (laughs) a little theological, a little doctrinal, but don't phase out on me because here's why I've been doing this. God said, I am looking for a people who will worship me in spirit and in truth. Sometimes we can go into a church and and it, it seems to be a lot of truth, but no spirit. Or we could go to another church and there's a lot of spirit and not much truth given. We're not trying to downgrade anybody, but I just want you to recognize that God, in knowing who he is, is proclaiming that we, God's people, are to worship him in spirit and in truth. You see, theology, doctrine, and truth is the skeleton of the body or the church. It is our bone structure that causes us to walk uprightly in the kingdom of God. That's the skeleton. The spirit, may I just say it this way, the spirit is the skin. In other words, if you go to a church that's all doctrine and no spirit, normally you would describe that church as a little cold. It's like being hugged by a skeleton. That's what it's like going to a place like that. What we need is the skin also, the spirit. We don't need just a skeleton. We need the spirit that brings life. Why? Let me show you. It's the blood flow. It's the skin. It's the warmth of what God is desirous to do in, about, in bringing about relationship. When you go to church, you want to feel God. You want to touch God, the the skin or the spirit. But you just can't have the spirit. (laughs) You can't have, you know, a body without a skeleton because it will just flap around. Uh, It'll be goofy and it'll have no structure. So what we are, who we are at Valley Community Church If you can reimagine church, what I'm saying to you is who we are is a church that not only that worships God in spirit, but we worship God in in truth. Paul said, you have all the gifts, but let all them function decently and in order. Paul said, let me give you some doctrine and structure to be able to walk in. You see, because wrong doctrine produces wrong behavior, Bad doctrine produces bad decisions. It is important that all of you are in a good church. Find that church. I'll just tell you, Valley Community is awesome. Greatest people in the world. God helps us to have, you know, a a place where we can worship. And we need more churches that worship in spirit and in truth. So... What do we need? We need the skeleton and we need the skin. 
So today again, God, he is grace. So to help lead us into the definition of grace, let me remind you of justice and mercy. Remember what we said, justice is giving someone what he or she deserves. Mercy is not giving someone what he deserves. But the definition of grace is this, giving someone what he or she doesn't deserve. Grace is not deserved, it is unearned, it is unmerited, undeserved favor of God. Mercy is God's goodness confronting our guilt. Grace is God's goodness confronting our sin. Let me uh, bring this to you in fullness. Grace is the only answer for sin. It is grace, the only answer for sin. Good works will not answer sin. Our own righteousness is not an answer to sin. If I ask the question, what is the opposite of sin? Most of our answers would be righteousness. Let me tell you, that's not the answer. Sin is missing the mark. Righteousness is hitting the mark. God defines it differently. Grace says this. God says the opposite of sin for you is grace. Why? Because you can never be righteous enough. Oh, man, I know some amazing people. I know people that have done amazing things. You know, the terminology we use a lot today, they're my heroes. But see, the only answer for our sin is God's grace. Romans 5.20 says, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. It's saying where sin reigns in death, so also grace reigns now. Grace annihilates sin. Grace puts sin in its place. Yes, grace in its power imputes righteousness to us, and that causes us to want to walk holy and upright before God. But let's read out of Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. It says, For the grace of God, watch this, that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. See, if you don't understand true grace, you will always have problems with sin. The grace that brings us salvation teaches us to deny godliness. You cannot do enough works to pay for the sin in your life. Watch this. If the whole world refuses God's grace, God is still grace. <clears throat> and demonstrated what he is through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. See, God is grace. He doesn't have grace. He is not part grace. He is completely, totally grace. Let me give you an example. 
Some people believe when God extends some of his grace, he is holding back his justice and righteousness. We are just lucky that God stepped out of character and gave us grace. Ooh, that's dangerous. You know, they're saying we are so glad God restrained his judgment and his wrath, and he gives us grace. No, God is completely, totally grace. When you are in the presence of God, you have fullness of grace. He is grace, he is kindness, he is mercy, he is compassion, and he is love. He is everything that is good. You know, for your information, mercy is stated four times more in the Old Testament than the New Testament. But watch this. Grace is stated three times more in the New Testament than it is stated in the Old Testament. Why? Because Jesus Christ showed up. Grace. John 1.17 says, For the law was given through Moses, Old Testament, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ fulfilled the law. So grace and truth comes through Jesus, or we could say spirit and truth. Now follow me, because I'm basically giving you foundation here so that I can begin moving you into an understanding of who God is as grace. God sent grace to live on this earth for 33 and a half years. Jesus was grace. Jesus said, if you want to know the Father, look at me. What he says is what I say. What he does is what I do. The Father is exactly like Jesus, and Jesus acts, looks, talks, lives, breathes, and thinks just like the Father. And the Holy Spirit living in you will always show you the Christ. That's just the foundation. So let's begin to dive in. Let's begin to swim into the depth of this. Let me inform you, every religion in the world other than Christianity is based on works. If you will go and study every other religion in the world, you will find it is based on works. Every other religion is a copy of the old covenant, not the new covenant. Law, works. Do this and this, then you will be accepted. Look at what the Pharisees said to Jesus. In John 6, verse 28, it says, Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. There it is. Therefore, they said to him, What sign works will you perform then, that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? do. Jesus said the work of God is that you believe the one that the Father sent, and his name is Jesus Christ. Christianity is the only religion where you can have a relationship 
And I'm going to say it the way the world says it, with the head guy. Uh, it's hard to say it like that. But so you can have a relationship with God through grace. Simply by believing. So what is grace? Grace brings a person who is out of favor, who is in sin, into God's favor by removing sin, that unmerited favor. So unmerited favor means you have no merits or credits towards heaven or to get into heaven. Matter of fact, because we were born in sin, the only merit that we had born in this world is merits towards hell. There is evidence and or merit in our, li- in our lives. Hell is our end. Pride, unforgiveness, anger, lust, being offended, so much more. Not only I have no merits or credit in and of myself on the side of going to heaven, but I have credits for the other side. Grace not only allow me to go to heaven, grace cancels my debt. Your debt completely is canceled because of grace, because you believed in Christ. So let me give you some points or some things regarding grace. First of all, grace is eternal. Ephesians 1, I ask you to turn to that, verse 4 through 6 is, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved grace. Hey, church family. We're family because of the grace of God. Look at verse 4. Just as he chose us in him, when did he choose you? The Bible says, before the foundation of the world. Before creation, God was grace. Excuse me. He was grace, he is grace, and he'll always be grace. So the title, he's what? God is grace. His grace was operating before there was anyone there to receive it. He chose all of you before you chose him. He didn't base his choice on your performance. You weren't there when he chose. Or your future performance. According to Isaiah, the best thing about what I do, (laughs) we learned this last week, It's filthy rags. My righteousness is as of filthy rags based in comparison to his righteousness, which now I walk in because I believed Jesus Christ. So it's eternal. Here's the second thing about grace. Grace is free. Romans 3.24 says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Grace cannot be earned or paid for after you get it. 
In other words, there are some Christians that feel so guilty about their past. They're always trying to do things to make everybody and God feel better about them. I want to tell you, in God's eyes, through grace, yeah, the blood of Jesus, we've covered that. He looks at you as if you've never sinned. Justified, just as you've never sinned. Praying an hour a day, even though we should doesn't buy grace, doesn't bring your debt down either. Grace is you didn't deserve it and never will, but it's free. Let me give you the third thing about grace. Grace is the opposite of works. What do I mean by that, the opposite of works? The opposite of sin is grace. I have sin, so I need grace. So, What I'm saying in this point is now that I receive grace and it's revelation, the opposite of grace is I go back to works to receive it. Now I'm going to show God I'll work for it. That's not who God is. Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, And that not of yourself, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. When you get to heaven, you won't be able to boast because it was given to you by grace. You got to heaven not because you were very good or did stuff, even though I know a lot of people that do a lot and they touch a lot of lives but that doesn't earn you into heaven. Salvation is only manifested by grace. So listen closely. The Lord didn't marry you so you could work for him. You know what? You didn't marry your wife so she could work for you. (laughs) If a husband marries so the wife could work for him, he's sick, and that is a sick marriage and it needs healing. If all of you think is working for God, that is a sick theology. That is telling you that God's grace, God's perfectness of who he is in grace, he is grace, then what you're saying, that it wasn't enough, and you had to do more. And there are so many people that go into a depressed state in their life Because they feel guilty, they walk in guilt. Therefore, there is no condemnation to them that love the Lord. And when you love the Lord, you know who he is. Let me set you free. God didn't marry you so you would work for him. He married you because he loves you. He didn't need you to work for him because he has legions of angels to do his bidding. God created Adam and Eve for relationship. So let's just dive a little bit deeper now. Adam and Eve were created, and there was no law, and the tree was about their will. If I asked you, are you a Christian under the law? If you hesitate, let me say it, that's sick. 
that's an indictment to pastors who are not teaching grace. It also is indicative of the bondage many Christians live in. I'm trying to set you free. I'm trying to bring you to a place of understanding this salvation, your believing in Jesus Christ, is so amazing. Why? Because of who he is. He's grace. So the question again, who is grace? The answer, God. And we are under God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, the law was given to frustrate us, to bring us to Christ. If sin never entered the world, the law would never have been given. The law was given so we knew we needed a Savior. Galatians tells us the law was a tutor until we came to Christ. So in Leviticus, it tells you if you get a scab, you have to go to the priest, the law. If it turns a certain color, you're quarantined for 14 days. Hmm. Sounds like we've been going through. I bet the Trinity had fun putting Leviticus together <laughs> to frustrate us to come to Christ and to receive God's grace because he's always been grace. He didn't become grace because Jesus came. God was grace and he sent his son, grace, to come to this earth to die and raise again for you. See, the king left his castle to marry you. Hollywood writes a lot of stories like that. But this story is true. Let me give you the fourth, and we'll conclude with this. Grace is bestowed upon the undeserving. The Pharisees say, I thank you, I'm not like other men. Really? All of us were undeserving. All of us fell short of the glory of God. So let me conclude so that you can see it and in a few weeks, we'll, we'll continue on God is what. But on the 21st, I have a, a message for you to the last two weeks that God gave me as we reconvene, as, as we reopen, as we reimagine, as we move forward into the future. There's something that's beginning. God is doing something amazing. So don't miss the 21st. Yeah, we're going to celebrate Father's Day, we're going to celebrate Mother's Day, and we're going to have a little bit of Easter in there because we missed all, all that. But I want to say to you that your God, my God, is fully grace. It's called My Son's Friend. After a few of the usual Sunday evening hymns, the church's pastor slowly stood up walked over to the pulpit and gave a very brief introduction of the friend he had known since childhood. With that, an elderly man stepped up to the pulpit to speak. A father, his son, and a friend of his son were sailing off the Pacific coast, he began, 
when a fast approaching storm blocked any attempt to get back to shore. The waves were so high that even though the father was an experienced sailor, he could not keep the boat upright, and the three were swept into the ocean. The old man hesitated for a moment, making eye contact with two teenagers who were, for the first time since the service began, looking somewhat interested in his story. So he continued, The father, being a good swimmer, was able to make it back on the boat. Grabbing a rescue line, he then had to make the most excruciating decision of his life, to which, boy, would he throw the other end of the line. Hmm. He had only seconds to make the decision. So the father knew that his son was a Christian, and he also knew that his son's friend was not. The agony of his decision could not be matched by the torrent of the waves. As the father yelled out, he said, I love you, son. He threw the line to his son's friend. By the time he pulled the friend back to the capsized boat, his son had disappeared beyond raging swells in the black of the night. His body was never recovered. By this time, the two teenagers were sitting straighter in the pew, awaiting the next words to come out of the old man's mouth. And the father, he continued, knew his son would step into eternity with Jesus. And he could not bear the thought of his son's friend stepping into an eternity without Jesus. Therefore, he sacrificed his son. How great is the love of God that he should do the same for us. With that, the old man turned and sat back down in his chair as silence filled the room. Within minutes after the service ended, the two teenagers were at the old man's side. And they both quickly said, that was a nice story. One of the boys politely started, but I don't think it was very realistic for a father to give up his son's life in hopes that the other boy would become a Christian. Well, you've got a point there, the old man replied, glancing down at his well-worn Bible. A big smile broadened his narrow face, and he once again looked up at the boys and said, it doesn't sound very realistic, does it? But I'm standing here today to tell you That story gives me a glimpse of what it must have been like for God to give up his son for me. He paused for a moment, and then he continued, and he said this, and you see, I was that father, and your pastor is my son's friend. God threw the lifeline to you and not his son. That's the grace who God is. I didn't say that's the grace of God. That's the grace who God is. You're looking at me on the screen, and maybe you're like that. that you, you're not sure if you're saved. You're not sure if you have 
accepted Christ, or maybe you know you haven't. Understand, who is he? God is what? He's grace. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And the Bible says, you're saved. And now you have the perfectness of God's righteousness, those merits that will bring you to heaven. God bless you. God loves you. Terry and I love you. Church family and friends, I can't wait till we gather next week on the 21st. It is going to be an exciting future. Again, God bless you.